want to encourage you tonight to open your Bible to the book of Psalms, and we're going to take some time tonight looking at Psalm chapter number 42. Psalm chapter number 42 in the Word of God. And I want to share with you some thoughts here that the Lord has been delivering to me and to my heart. And I want to just mention that yesterday I opened up a news site and I opened up my email inbox and I found there a story about a Christian musician who was very popular who had renounced his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he came to the place where he said, I am no longer a Christian and I no longer believe in God. And it was a rather lengthy statement that this man had made. He grew up in a pastor's home. He was raised in a church. He began playing music as a teenager in the church and for about the last 20 or so years has been a professional musician, a Christian musician playing with a, a Christian, contemporary Christian music group. And uh, he came out and said, I am no longer a Christian. It's interesting to me because many of the bigger news sites, such as the Drudge Report, actually put the article up. It was on Fox News. And it was fascinating to them that in the midst of times such as this, when people are demonstrating to exercise the, free, uh, the freedom to uh, go to church and to worship God, that someone was in the midst of those things who had been uh, somewhat iconic in one area of uh, Christendom, uh, was renouncing their faith in God. Saying that through his life and his own personal experience, he'd come to the conclusion that he was no longer a Christian and that he did not believe in God. Now, he did not go so far as to say there is no God, but he did say if there is a God, he is certainly not at all like I was raised to believe him to be. I wonder what would lead someone to come to a decision like that. To make a statement like that. I believe sometimes people go through hardship in their life, and when things do not turn the way that they prayed that they might, or somehow things do not work out that we believe strongly should work out, because we've prayed about it and we've uh, really carried things of the Lord and believed by faith that God was going to take care of it, and when God didn't do as we had prayed for Him to do, we're disillusioned within our spirit because... God let us down. And after a series of letdowns, we sometimes wonder, does God really even care? And after a while of wondering, does God care? We begin to sense the presence of the Lord altogether and we begin to wonder if, he, if He's even real. I've talked to people that had rationalized themselves into atheism. Perhaps you have talked to people that have done just the same thing. Perhaps that would have been something that David could have done. But what we find here is, in verse 1 of Psalm 42, the Bible says, "...as the heart 
And that's a deer, by the way. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with him to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites, from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night His song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Lord, help us to see the truth that's set before us tonight. Lord, I pray that we might be drawn closer to the center of Your will for our lives because of this time spent together. These things we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight I want to bring you a simple Bible study that I have titled, A Searching of the Soul and a Statement of Faith. A Searching of the Soul and a Statement of Faith. Perhaps if you're like me and like David, the words of this psalm ring in your heart as something that you have experienced. Maybe there are those that are Experiencing something similar even at this very moment. Yet in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of hardship and suffering, what we find that David is yearning for is not just deliverance from the trouble. What David is yearning for is not just to be able to take a vacation and, and have a break from all that he's going through. That wasn't what we find here. In the midst of the storm of his life, an epic struggle when he was fleeing like a deer from the hunters and the dogs were nipping at their, uh, at their hind quarters and, and that, that, that deer was so thirsty 
That, that deer thought as though they would die if they could not get a drink of water. That's the picture that, that we have here that David is giving to us. That if he cannot have God in his life, if, if he couldn't have God, he would just die. He would dry up, wither away, and die. You see, he gave the analogy of a, of a deer panting for the water brooks just to have a drink. He said, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? I'll tell you that the sensation of thirst is one of the most powerful longings that a human could ever experience. There have been times where we've been hungry, and hungry perhaps to the place of hunger pains and feeling lightheadedness, but we can kind of sit by and wait for the pains of the past, and they eventually will pass. And, and we can at times take a drink of water, and, and the pain of hunger will be mollified. But when you're thirsty, what, what quenches that? What satisfies that except a drink? A drink of water. On Monday, uh, it, was, it was warm outside and we were moving. And, and uh, I got to the point where, uh, man, I'm just parched. And it seemed like I was looking for something to drink all the time. And, and uh, we went to go pick up a piece of furniture. And, and uh, I, I told uh, uh, Brother Chase and Brother Daniel, man, listen, if we can get something to drink, I'm buying uh, listen, let, let's, let's stop and get something to drink. I need something to drink. It was a powerful thirst that I had. And look, I, I wasn't hungry for a cheeseburger. I didn't want a pizza. Listen, I didn't even want fried chicken. I didn't want brownies. I didn't want chocolate chip cookies. Listen, the only thing that I wanted was something to drink. And you know, the analogy that David is giving here is that he had come to a point in time in his life where he was so taxed and so stressed and so overwrought that there was nothing in the world that would satisfy the deepest longing of his heart except a long, cool drink of God Himself. It was the only thing that would satisfy that longing in his life and really it's true what they say, that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that only God can fill. And people are trying to fill it uh, with drugs and alcohol and with uh, relationships and pornography and education and, try, and, and their careers, trying to find some measure of fulfillment. But listen, my friend, God will allow us to experience things in our life, the likes of which will lead us to the place where we long for simply the face of God to be turned our way and for a touch of God that nothing else in the world can ever begin to measure up to. This world has nothing that will begin to replace the comfort that can come from the presence of the Lord. He said, when shall I come and appear before God? I just want 
to have a face-to-face with Almighty God. That was the only thing that was going to satisfy him in that moment. I want to tell you, when you run and you're thirsty and you feel like you'll die of thirst if you can't get something to drink, you're beginning to understand how the soul of David felt. Perhaps there are those now that are struggling with the circumstances of life and you're wanting something to just satisfy you. What we sense in David was a spirit of a longing for God. Perhaps what you're doing is you're asking God for deliverance. Perhaps you're asking God to deal with your enemies. Perhaps you're asking God for money. Maybe it's a relationship that you're looking for with uh, someone. And really what God is bringing us to is the place where we recognize that He is really who we need. He is what we need. And when we come to the place where He's all that we want, it is then that we will discover that He is all that we need. My soul thirsteth for God. For the living God. Not for God made with hands. Not for God shaped in the image that I have crafted it in my own mind. But the living God. And then He continues and says, My tears have been my meat day and night while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? There have been seasons of time in my life where I cried every day. <clears throat> I think back to a season of time as a young man when it seemed like the world was coming down around me. And I can remember going to work every day and sitting down at my desk and just bawling my eyes out. I give the day to the Lord, and I'd go to the bathroom and wash my face and start my day. And day after day after day after day, my tears were my meat. The salt ran down. It seasoned my meat, but it was what I had. It consumed me. It wasn't something that I consumed. And in the midst of all of it, there were those that would say, where's your God now? Where's your religion now? Where's the God that loves you now? You say you're a Christian? Let's see it now. And the circumstances of life and the situation is used by many that are naysayers to somehow call into doubt the reality of God and the genuineness of your relationship with Him. For were you transcendent in this situation, they could see the evidence of God in your life, but because you're beneath the circumstances and you're continuously in tears and you're 
continuously overwrought by your circumstance, people look on and they say, where's your God now? Where's your Christianity that you've talked about now? Where is it? How is it serving you now? They continually say, where is thy God? Where is He now? The devil will orchestrate his minions to come and sow the seeds of doubt in our minds when we are beat down with the cares of life and disenfranchised and alienated and abandoned by those that we love. And there's a sense of mournfulness that comes upon us and there's insult being added to injury because of Satan's minions. Sometimes like Job's friends of old, Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz that want to question why and why is God and what have you done and where is God now? And those woes are exacerbated. Those, those pains are aggravated by memories that we have of happier and joyous times. Because the Bible says in verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept holy day. My soul, it's just melting within me because I'm hearing the words, where's your God now? And where's your Christianity now? And I remember the day when I went with a multitude into the house of the Lord. Where I sang the songs of the redeemed. Where I lifted up my voice in praise to God. And I joined together with people in the holy day. And I came into the house of the Lord. And and it was wonderful to assemble together with all the people. But now my woeful estate is being aggravated by the memory of happier times that seem to be in the much too distant past. And... They seem not to be on the near horizon. And it causes hope to sink in the heart. That woefulness often awakes the memories of joyous days and makes us long for for those things. And perhaps when we do, like David of old, we lose the hope that we'll ever experience those things again. But I want to say to you, tonight's study is titled, A Searching of the Soul and a Statement of Faith. A Searching of the Soul and a Statement of Faith. So David has a conversation with himself. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? David is talking to David. He's looking within. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? What's the reason for this torment in my spirit? For this torrent in my soul? Why am I like this? 
Hope thou in God. Do you know what David is saying? Listen, I, I don't get why I'm like this. I don't. I, I, why is this going on? I believe in God. He's promised to be with me. He anointed me. His Spirit came upon me. I've seen Him work in my life. I've seen great exploits in His hand. Why do I feel like this? And as he's searching his heart, he speaks a word into his life. And it's this, hope thou in God. And what he is saying to himself is while your faith is waning and while your fears are flying, hold on to God. Don't turn loose of God. Listen, there was a, an author a couple of years ago who had sold multiplied millions of Christian books. He wrote a famous book about dating. And he came out and, and said he was an atheist. He no longer believed in God. Billy Graham's own grandson, who pastored a church in Florida and wrote many books, was a popular television speaker and, and, uh, and, and a renowned author whose books I had read, uh, came out after having done a number of things and, and said he renounced his faith in the Lord. How could that happen? When their fears were flying and their faith was waning, rather than holding on to God, they believed that God had ceased holding on to them. And so they surrendered their faith. And yet what David did in this moment of search, he spoke a strength into his life. And he, and he said, hold on to God. In other words, hope thou in God. And then he made a statement of faith. And that statement was this, I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. You know what David was saying? David, why are you like this man? You know our God. He's been faithful before and He's going to be faithful again. Stop doubting. Stop fearing. Stop Fainting, hold on to God. And he made the statement, I shall yet praise Him. I shall yet praise Him. What was he saying? What he was saying is this. These eyes that are red and crying will have the gleam and the beam of God once again. This heart, now broken, will beat again. These hands hanging down with discouragement will serve yet again. These lame feet will dance yet again. This silent tongue will praise Him yet again. God is not finished with me yet. Hope thou in God. I will yet praise Him for the help. Of his countenance. Listen, you might think I'm beat down. 
I'm, I'm just at the end of my rope. I don't know if I can come back from this one. I don't know how I'm going to recover from this one. I, I want to just simply say, you might be saying, I don't know how. You may be searching your soul. But listen, speak strength into your life. Hope thou in God. Hold on to God. Don't turn loose of God. Don't say, well, I don't know where He is and He's forgotten me. No, hold on to Him. Why? Because uh, those feet that are lame will dance yet again. Those hands which hang down, they're going to serve yet again. Those eyes that are uh, tired and red and crying, uh, they're going to have the, the, the beam and the luster of God once again. Those lips that were silenced through suffering, will praise Him yet again. Make that your statement of faith. I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I know this. If I hold on to God, one day praise will spring forth from these lips again. God has been good in the past. And God is still good today. And God will be good yet again. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to hold on to God. I want you to notice that the Bible says, Oh my God, in verse 6, My soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember Thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Mizar. Listen, David was saying, Listen, my soul is discouraged. I'm depressed. It seems like I'm oppressed and depressed. And as he was crying out, he said, listen, I'm going to remember the Lord my God in the land of Jordan and on Mount Hermon. Every little rise and hill is going to remind me of the majestic power of God, of His created handiwork. I'm Instead of seeing a pile of dirt, I'm going to remember that it was from that that the Lord formed me. Instead of seeing clouds on the horizon, I'm going to see the handiwork of the Almighty God. Instead of seeing trees in the pathway, I'm going to thank God for the foliage and the color. I'm going to look for God in everything. And instead of being depressed because I'm not seeing God where I am looking for Him, I'm going to see God in everything. Everywhere I go and in everything I do, I'm going to see the fingerprints and the handiwork of God. The day before yesterday, my wife and I got together about something that we were praying about and we asked the Lord to make His will very clear concerning a matter. And we said, God, help us to see Your fingerprints in this matter. Make Your will very clear to us. Unmistakably clear. And so we, we held hands together and we prayed that prayer uh, two times in just a very short period of time. And, and we walked in and we sat down and, and, uh, and things began to unfold. And, and as things began to unfold, we started to see fingerprints. And even though it wasn't exactly what we wanted to hear, it was something we knew just the same that God was orchestrating for our good. And He was making His will imminently clear. We saw the fingerprints of God at that very moment. And even though it was something that we didn't want to hear, we saw God in it. And we looked at one another and we said, we have our answer. 
We have our answer. We know that God has spoken in this matter. Friends, you may be depressed. You may be oppressed in your spirit. You may be sitting home and closing the blinds and turning off the light and sitting in the darkness and wallowing in your own sorrow and sadness and depression. But may I say this to you, that God is still God in your life. Open those blinds and let the sun shine in. Open the Word of God and see Him in every chapter, verse, and line. Look around and know that you've got a place to live and you have something for which to be thankful and that there are people, even though perhaps they're not calling, that are thinking of you and praying for you, have a church that cares about you, a pastor that loves you, and a God that is watching over you and you have a reason to give Him praise. And so will you say, listen, on Mount Hermon, I'm going to see God uh, in this little pile of dirt right here. I'm going to see the handiwork of God. I'm going to remember that God reached down one day and picked up some dirt and out of the dirt of the ground He formed man and He breathed into man the breath of life. And if God could do that out of dirt, there is nothing in my life that He's incapable of doing. And encourage your heart by seeing God in every situation and in every place. Let your depression be turned into a dynamic that lifts you out of the doom and gloom because you see God in everything. You know, the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One day I was driving on the 101, and uh, in the afternoon, that's not a blessing. And uh, I had been out to make a visit in Scottsdale, and I was driving back home, and I was heading uh, westward on, on, on the 101. And I was, uh, oh, uh, somewhere about, I think, uh, uh, the, just past the 51. And, and I topped over there, I, a little rise, I think, about Cave Creek or so. And uh, I looked on the horizon, and you know, I thought, man, it is so smoggy today. It's hot and smoggy. I bet it's the worst air quality we've had all year long. Look at the smog. And then in just a little while, as the sun began to sink further in the western skies, the sky was a bright pink and red and orange tapestry. And what I had been complaining about, this smog and the air quality and the heat, all of a sudden was transformed into one of the most beautiful works of art that man could ever conceive of. And what happened was, I wasn't fixated with smog and air quality and heat. I wanted to pull off to the side of the road and just worship. I wanted to take a picture and say, wow, look at what God did here. And it reminded me that so often I, I only see the downside of things rather than seeing God in everything. Open the blinds. Let the sun shine in. Open the Word. Let the truth shine in. My friends, see God in everything. In every place of your life. 
The Bible tells us that deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. I don't know if you've ever been out in the waves of the sea. Maybe you've gone to the beach somewhere and there were breakers coming in. Maybe you've tried to swim out into the, into the waves. I, I can remember many times as a boy going with the family for picnics at the beach and, and swimming. and uh, not, Nothing quite like sitting on a, on a picnic blanket and trying to eat a bologna sandwich when the wind is blowing and uh, getting a little grit in your teeth. And, uh, and, and I'd, I'd say, Mom, I have dirt in my sandwich. And Dad would normally say, God made dirt and dirt don't hurt. And so go ahead and just eat your sandwich. And, and, you're, uh, and you're crunching on, on sand in your teeth uh, from the wind kicking it up. And, and uh, wonderful memories of days at the beach. But I can remember going out there and, and thinking, man, I'm, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go boogie boarding or I'm going to go body surfing. And, uh, and, and that's just awesome. And I, I, one day I remember I went out there and the, and the waves were breaking so big. And, and, uh, and I was having a good time, but I, I got caught in a squall. And, uh, and, and, and a wave came over the top of me and it drove me down and it drove me down so forcefully it threw me onto the sand below. And, uh, and I felt like it knocked the wind out of me. And, and, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to come up and my head will, will bob up out of the water and I'll be able to catch my breath and, you know, uh, catch my breath. And, and I started to come up and up and up. And I thought, okay, I'm almost there, I'm almost there. And I, and I was going to open my mouth and go, and just at that instant, another wave came right up over the top of me and pushed me down further and put me into another squall. And I was in the whitewash and, and I was being tossed around like a rag doll. And it seemed like every time I thought I would just bob up and be able to breathe in, another wave would come over the top of me. And it seemed like wave after wave after wave came. And it was unrelenting. I thought, I'm going to die right here. I'm thinking, man, I'm 16 years old. And here I come, Lord Jesus. It's, it's the big one, Elizabeth. And, and the fact of the matter was that, look, that was just a picture of what some seasons of the of my life might look like when it seemed like deep work was calling unto deep that one problem was calling another problem to come and visit at the same time and at the sound of the waters to try to intimidate the the, the crashing of the waves to to strike fear into my heart and all thy waves are gone over me it seemed like i was overwhelmed with the circumstances and the rapid succession of the problems that came upon me. And in moments like that, we realize how helpless we are to do anything about it. That all we can do is throw ourselves at the very mercies of God. And trouble will come like waves to overwhelm the soul. And God will sometimes allow those waves to rise up in our lives to bring us to the place where we will cry out to Him recognizing that He alone will be our deliverance. I believe that what we find is hope rising in David's heart in verse 8. For he said, Yet the Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night His song shall be with me. 
and my prayer unto the God of my life. What, what does it mean He'll command His loving kindness in the daytime? When I wake up in the morning, you know what? God, who is the commander, the supreme ruler over all, is able to rebuke all the forces of darkness that come up against me and command the light to shine in my heart. That I would be overwhelmed the sense of His loving kindness. Do you know, I found myself praying many of the things that are in the Word of God. When I go to the Lord in prayer often, my prayer is, Lord, I thank You for Your loving kindness. I thank You for Your compassion upon me. For Your patience with me. I thank Him for it. I don't find myself as much praying for patience these days, but thanking God for His patience with a stubborn son. But hope began to spring. Just peek its head through the soil, as it were, in David's heart. He said, God's going to do this. I, I believe this is going to happen. The Lord is going to give me that hope that I need. And in the night, His song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I want to ask you a question. He said, the God of my life. Now, it may be that you, you sing praises to the God of heaven. To the one true God. To the Creator and Sustainer of the universe. To the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To Jehovah God, Almighty God, El Shaddai. We sing praises unto God, but David said, the God of my life. Not just the God of the universe, not just the God of heaven, but the God of my life. The one who is the ruler where that the resident is the president of my life. And then, he said in verse 9, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? Do you know what we learn from this is that faith is allowed to inquire of the Lord. Sometimes people think, well, it's presumptuous to somehow question the working of God. But do you know, I think a loving father doesn't mind when his kids come to him and say, Lord, why are you allowing this into my life? Would you reveal it to me? Now, we may not find the answer. We may not know the answer to that this side of heaven. But faith allows us to inquire of the Lord and does not rebuke us for doing so. We're not questioning the ways of God, just wondering the course that this trial may be taking us on. Faith is allowed to inquire of God. Sometimes when we're in the midst of this 
struggle of our faith, we come to this, as in verse 10, it says, As with the sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? And I thought long and I studied hard on that phrase, as with the sword in my bones. Do you know what it is really speaking about? That this is not a superficial wound. This isn't, this isn't just a hurt that I feel I'm going to recover from. This one goes deep. This goes deep into my heart and soul. This is something I'm not sure I'll recover from. That if I survive it, I'm going to carry the, the scars. I'm going to have a limp. This one hurts deeply. It goes past the bone. Sometimes we say words cut like a knife. But sometimes the words coupled with a, a motive that's filled with malice, they don't just cut like a knife. They go into the bones like a sword. It's a mortal wound to the heart. They go deep. And then there's insult on top of injury where our faith is called into question. Where our God is mocked because we suffer trouble. Hold fast to God. Because again, we read these words as we did in verse 5, David is talking to David. And he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? There was a searching. But then what we find is a, a speaking of strength into his life. Hope thou in God. Hold on to God. Don't let go of the anchor. It's the thing that will hold you. Hold you fast in the storms of life. Hope thou in God. And then what we find is the statement of His faith. For I shall yet praise Him who is the health of my countenance. And my God. You see, this was a stronger statement than before. The troubles didn't lead him to make a statement on social media that he no longer believed in God. It led him to believe more deeply. To hold more tightly. And to yearn more longingly. You see, why art thou cast down? He was searching in his soul. Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. When you're down and discouraged, speak these words into your heart. Hope thou in God. Hold on to God. Don't turn loose of the anchor. 
It's what will sustain you in the storm. It's what will hold you fast in the storm. Hold on to God. And by faith, make your statement be, for I shall yet praise Him. That's the statement of my faith. I believe as difficult as it is now, on the other side of this, I'm going to praise Him. As hard as this seems to me right now, God is going to deliver me from this. And these feet which were lame will dance again. These hands which hung down with sorrow will serve again. These eyes which were filled with tears will gleam for God again. These lips which were silent through suffering will yet praise Him again. This heart which was broken will beat again for God. And as the heart panteth after the water brook, so my soul longeth for Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? God, I just want to see Your face. The comfort that comes from Your presence. I just need to come countenance to countenance because You're the one that will lift me up. You're the one that will strengthen me. You are my God. My God, He said. Why art Thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Sometimes we question, I'm a Christian, why am I feeling this way? I believe in God, why do I feel this way? I've been saved, why am I experiencing these things? And the devil sends his minions to say, where's your God now? Say, hope thou in God. Hold on to God. And let that be followed up with the statement of your faith. I shall yet praise Him. The last chapter hasn't been written. The book has not been closed. God is not dead. And these lame feet, they're going to dance. These hands hung down, they're going to serve. These eyes, dim and tear-filled, are going to shine. These lips, silenced through suffering, will praise. This heart, once broken, will beat passionately for God yet again. A searching of the soul and a statement of faith. I don't want to hear that a Christian of many years posted on social media that after having been raised in church and sung in choirs and served in Sunday schools that they no longer are a Christian and they no longer believe in God. No. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise Him, who is the health of my countenance, oh, and by the way, my God. My God. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the statement of faith 
Lord, thank You that David, a man after Your own heart, faced struggles and trials that led him to search deeply within his own heart and to cry out for Thee and to long for Thee as a man dying of thirst would cry out for water. Lord, I pray that we might come to the place where You are all that we desire. And when we find You, we realize that You're all that we really need. Lord, may the statement of our faith be, maybe having some trouble now, but I shall yet praise Him. I'm going to trust that a heart once broken will beat again. That feet now lame will dance again. That hands hung low will serve again. That these lips rendered silent will praise Him yet again. May it be the statement of our faith. And this we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. My friends, I'm going to tell you something. God is good all the time. I don't know what you're facing, but I know this. God is greater than whatever it is. Would you see Him in everything and in every place? And I want to say, if you're not certain that if you died tonight that you would go to heaven, I want you to listen very closely to what I have to say right now. The fact is that God loves you. And perhaps trouble led you to land on this broadcast tonight. That's because God wanted you to hear the Gospel. And the Gospel is this. That we don't have to live a meaningless life and, and suffer and die and go to a devil's hell. We don't have to. The good news is that God loves us. And what we have to understand is, first of all, that we're sinners. We're sinners by birth and by choice. We were born into this sinful human race as a descendants of Adam. We can't change whose kids we are. And we sin because it's our nature. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty for sin. And it's death. And death is separation for the body. The Bible says in James 2 that the body without the Spirit is dead. And so too, the Spirit without Jesus is dead. It's the second death in a place of suffering called hell. But the Bible tells us that God commendeth His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus loved you so much that even though you and I deserve to die and to go to hell to pay the price for our sin, Jesus came to this earth and He lived a perfect life. And He went to a cross and He took upon Himself your sin and mine. And He paid the price in full with His shed blood on the cross. And now He offers forgiveness through His sacrifice for all of your sin. When Jesus hung on the cross, you weren't born yet. All your sin was still in the future. Jesus paid for it all in advance. Past, present, and future sin. And He offers salvation to you from hell 
and a home in heaven as a free gift. And the Bible says that whosoever, that means anyone, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If we simply ask Him for that salvation, He's promised that it would be ours. And so tonight, if you know that you're a sinner and that you cannot change that fact and because of your sin you deserve to suffer punishment in hell, but you understand that Jesus loved you so much that He died on the cross of Calvary to take your punishment in His own body, to forgive you of your sin and to offer you a home in heaven, and that if you would simply believe Him and ask Him for that gift of eternal life, you would be saved. And if you believe that tonight, that simple message, and you're willing to humbly come to the Lord confessing to Him that you're a sinner, and ask Him to save you, He's promised you that you would be saved. And if you've never made that decision, I would simply tell you that it is the most important decision of your life. And I want to invite you at this moment, wherever you may be, if you have never made that decision, to pray a prayer together with me. Now my prayer will never save you. But if the words of this prayer reflect the longing of your heart to be saved, God will hear and answer that prayer, and you will be saved. And so would you pray this prayer together with me? Dear Lord, I confess that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sin and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with Him. Thank You, Lord, for dying on the cross for me. Enable me now to live for Thee. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer tonight, you meant it with all of your heart, you believed it, then I want to invite you to contact us through Sermon Audio or through our website at freewaybaptist.org. Tell us about the decision which you have made. We'd like to send you a Bible, send you some information about your new life in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say to you, congratulations, you have just made the most important decision of your life. And when Jesus saves you, He gives you everlasting life. It means that it will never end. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He was perfect because we couldn't be. And so He forgave the sins of your past, the sins of your current life, and those that you may commit wittingly or unwittingly in the future. You have eternal life, the very life of God. It lasts forever. And congratulations to you. I trust that we'll hear from you.